It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 252, entitled Burp. It was recorded on Monday the 15th of May 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and I'll be joined this week by Remka Stavris, by Katie Keith, and Paul Halfpenny. It's a WordPress podcast, so, you know, we talk about WordPress. First stop, WordCamps are changing. They're going to be more about one particular topic into the future. What do we make of that? WP Accessibility Day is looking for speakers, and there's a very comprehensive article about what it is that they're after, and the fact that you're going to get paid. We have a couple of pieces about block-based themes. First up, Frost is launched by Brian Gardner via WP Engine. And also, Jonathan Bossinger is going to be building a block-based theme in the open. It's called Sendig, and he wants you to join him as he goes about building it over the days and weeks to come. We spend a bit of time talking about the Webby Awards, and really, what are they trying to promote? doesn't seem to be accessibility at least. We also talk about the fact that Yoast has got a new leader and then we get firmly into the discussion about AI, Google's new AI products and the fact that Spotify has had to kick a load of songs out of their playlists because they've been created by AI. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This episode of the WP Builds podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more at go.me forward slash WP Builds. Hello, 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 good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and whatever, whatever, wherever you are in the world, good that. And I hope that you're going to be with us for the next 90 minutes or so. We generally tend to drone on about WordPress, but today we're going to be droning on about WordPress and AI because that's become all the hotness, and I'm really fascinated by it and also terrified by it at the same time. This is This Week in WordPress. You've got to episode 253. We're always joined by some fabulous WordPressy people. And this week we have, we have Remkus. Remkus, yes, I got it the right way. How you doing? Can we just, can, let's just put the spotlight on Remkus for a moment here. Look, look at that. Look at Remkus's new get up. Isn't it nice? Remkus, uh, last time he was with us, had a more pedestrian background, shall we say, yeah, in today. What's going on, Remkus? How? What's some what's all the deal? <laughs> no, some of us have to evolve, and uh, this is me evolving. Uh... <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I just stay exactly the same. So Remkus is a WordPress performance specialist. He's a podcaster and a YouTuber, um, and you should probably subscribe to his newsletter. Where do we do that, Remkus? How do we find out about your bits and pieces that you're doing these days? Um, I think it's in my... Uh... My, my name here in the, in the stream, but it's ramk.us. Is that what we're looking at now? I'm looking at something slightly different. This is your yes, new that's, podcast. That's the homepage right? for my podcast, but uh, the the collection site of all links, so to say, is uh, ramk.us. Nice. That's a nice URL to have. Very handy. The funny thing is I've had it for almost 10 years, that domain. And just never done anything with it. Well, I had a, a URL shortener on it. It's still it, and it's still active there, but I never used the index.php, which 
which I'm now using. So, yay! Um, what are we looking at here then? Because I know that recently you've you've had all sorts of different forays into different careers, and more recently yeah. you've decided to put out some WordPress content, specifically around a podcast and some YouTube content and what have you. I'm looking at remcus.devries.fri. Um, and this is uh, the, that's the you. Oh, is it F R L? I apologize. I apologize. My poor yeah. eyesight. I will put that into the show notes. But what's the what's the enterprise here? You just got the itch to create a podcast. I know what that feels like. I, I did. I did. Um, I, I, I felt motivated by uh, uh, appearing on your podcast all the time. So. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I started a podcast on my own um, within WordPress, and it's essentially uh, featuring folks within the WordPress ecosphere in the broadest sense of the word. Um, some famous, some less famous, some up and coming, some old timers. There's there's lots of it already there. I have about uh, ten recorded, eleven recorded, and uh, four are published now. So um, lots to uh, lots to see. Oh, it's really good fun. It's always welcome having some you know some new content to listen to. Like honestly, TV has dropped off my radar more or less completely, and podcasting yeah, is. Here the thing that I do. I'm sure that's not the case for everybody, but I, I just can't get enough of this kind of stuff. Are you finding it challenging? Is it been dead easy? Lots of learning along the way? Uh, lots of learning along oh, the nice. way. A yeah. lot, a lot. But it's fun. It's, uh, it's a challenge I set for myself, like this is what I want to do, and I've been wanting to do it for years. And uh, um, as you can see, I'm in my studio now. Um, I've, I've put in the effort. Um, it's go time. Yeah, nice. Well, I appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. I'll link to that in the show notes. We'll get the URL correct in the show notes. We're also joined by Katie. Katie Keith, how are you doing, Katie? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on again. You're, you're, you're wo most welcome. Katie's got the shortest bio, which is really nice and easy to read. Katie is the founder and CEO at Barn2 Plugins. Barn2 make a whole suite of plugins, largely, I think, around WooCommerce, but I think there are a couple of non-WooCommerce-y things. But just quickly, uh, you've got a brand new one, which for some reason my browser has decided to... There we go. My browser made it look less appealing than it was going to look. Uh, do you want to just tell us about this quick new one, bit of self-promotion at the very beginning? Yep. So this is our latest plugin. It's our 21st premium plugin, amazingly. Wow. I think 17 of them are WooCommerce. Um, mm. so, as you, so what you said was totally correct. Um, this one is a fairly simple but useful plugin, which basically adds the ability to choose variations and quantities on the main shop page and category pages. So normally in WooCommerce, you have to go to a separate page for each product in order to choose options and quantities. And our plugin brings those uh, options onto the shop page so that it's more like one page shopping, a much quicker way to buy. Oh, nice. I will, again, link to that in the show notes. It's called, uh, well, the page is called Add Variations and Quantity Fields to WooCommerce Shop Page. But like I said, I'll link in the show notes. Interesting question, Katie. Is it harder now than it's ever been to come up with a new and innovative idea? Or is there still like a to-do list that you've got hidden somewhere of fabulous ideas that you've still yet to implement? Because it, it feels like it must be quite difficult to innovate. It's funny, we still have lots of ideas because we're in there. We know what the pain points are. And like, I don't think there is any plugin that does this. And it's a simple, um, quite small thing. Um, so hopefully that will be useful to people. And we know people have been asking for it in terms of our other plugins. Um, but as we grow as a company, we're also getting a bit more confident with 
uh, doing a take that's already been done, but our own interpretation of something. For example, our product options plugin is a more advanced version of the official product add-ons plugin from WooCommerce.com. So we're getting more confident in it not having to be unique. It just has to be better or different or something. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, thank you. appreciate you joining us today. That's really great. And lastly, but by no means least, we have Paul Halfpenny. How are you doing, Paul? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Paul is the CTO at Filter, which is a remote first digital agency that specializes in open source tech, such as WordPress, Laravel, React, React Native, and Ionic. We'll probably have a deep conversation with you today about remote working and all that kind of thing, because I know Mm -hmm. that's definitely your bag. And Sam Altman... He wants to have a fight with you, um, but we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But you also have something that you want to share with us uh, this time around. There's a couple of pages I want to mention. It's all about something we are going to mention later in the in the show. It's all about web accessibility. Uh, what's what's this? What are we looking at? Our marketer's guide to web accessibility. Yeah, we've just started a new enterprise series of guides, kind of positioned at CMOs and marketing leaders, and it's about trying to help educate them on subjects such as accessibility, performance, core web vitals, personalization. So this is the first of the guys that we've produced. Next one is personalization, which should be going live in a couple of weeks. And we've put together some resources on our website, just about tools, audits, how we do accessibility, things to watch out for in WordPress as well. So, um, and we're, we're currently working with another company to produce an accessibility plugin as well so that's that's in the middle of development so we're looking forward to launching that in a few months time nice again uh if you want to download the marketer's guide to web accessibility i will link to it in the show notes but uh thank yeah thank you for joining us really appreciate it and a couple of comments have joined uh, have come in which is always nice first thing i want to say though just a bit of housekeeping if you do fancy joining us uh or rather you want to get your friends colleagues relations cats dogs hamsters guinea pigs or leprechauns joining us, then send them to this URL, wpbuilds.com forward slash live. I was lying. Don't send the leprechauns. Nobody <laughs> likes them. Um, wpbuilds.com forward slash live. And if you go there, you've got to be logged into Google because it's YouTube comments. If you are crazy enough to be using Facebook, then you need to do this. There's a little extra step. If you're on our Facebook group or something, you've got to go to chat.restream.io forward slash FB. Otherwise, Facebook, in a remarkable show of like privacy don't allow us to you know see your uh, avatar or username it's about the only privacy thing they <laughs> appear to, to care about which is unusual uh, but you have to do that if you want to leave a comment over there and do drop in your comments as the show goes on we do try and get as many of them on the screen as we can let's start off with cameron jones who's now in brighton He's moved all the way over for six months, I think, to play cricket. I actually think he's here to play cricket. Um, and he's in Brighton. I saw him in his all of his cricket whites, a photo of him the other day. Very nice uh, to have what you with cricket? us, Cameron. Uh, what was that? What did you say, Remkus? <laughs> you heard me. <laughs> I, I really didn't. I was talking. I said, I said, what is cricket? Oh, yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, it's a sport played. Don't even go. It's a, it takes five <laughs> days 
Cameron loves it. That's all we need to know. Uh, Rob Cairns also joining us. Hello. He says, thank you for joining us, Monday morning people. AI, what else? Indeed, Rob. That is basically what we talk about. And Peter Ingersoll always drops in the weather report from Connecticut. And today it's a chilly night. He's had a chilly night. It's currently 11 degrees centigrade, 52 degrees Fahrenheit under partly sunny skies here in Connecticut. It should get to a nice 24 degrees centigrade. Oh, that's what we like. I bet, uh, I bet it's hotter where Katie is, though, because she's, uh, she's in the middle of the med, if memory serves. <laughs> uh, we've got smiling, waving people. And then we've got Courtney Robertson, all the way from GoDaddy, who's saying hello. Hi there. Uh, Remkus has learned the secret to podcasting, says Rob. Stay ahead. Nice. Peach is here. <laughs> Thanks, and Rob. so are some other people as well. Happy Monday, says Michelle Frechette. And that's it. That's all the comments that we've got from now. But yeah, keep dropping them in. Really would appreciate that. Let's get on with the show. The first thing to mention is that we have a website. It's called wpbuilds.com. If you fancy keeping up with the content that we produce, just put your email address into there and click subscribe. And then we'll send you two emails a week when we produce the podcast, which, th well, this basically, this thing on a Monday, we repurpose as a podcast tomorrow. You'll get the audio for that. And then we'll send you one on Thursday when we produce the podcast there. Sincere thanks to GoDaddy Pro. They keep the whole thing propped up. They've been sponsoring us for absolutely ages, and bravo to them. Hat tip. Very, very sincere thanks to them for keeping the lights on over here, frankly, and uh, really appreciate that. Okay, let's get stuck into it. Right, word camps, a subject close to, I imagine, all of our hearts, um, but word camps are changing. Sarah Gooding writing this week, following on from some announcements that came from um, WordCamp Central, I, I believe it was Angela Jin, is it Angela Jin? I want to say Angela, yeah, Angela Jin, um, saying basically that the format of WordCamps is going to change. During the pandemic, for obvious reasons, it just dropped off a cliff. The, the interest kind of maintained itself a little bit online, although I'm not sure how many of those we were all able to stomach turning up to the online events as the only opportunity. Now they're back in person, but I don't think they're back with the, with the kind of numbers that we had prior. You know, if you're looking at 2018 and 2019, those numbers I think were significantly greater. The attendee numbers were greater. The, atten the actual events that were put on, there was lots more of them. So the question really is, well, how do we get this revived? How do we bring it back? And so what they've decided to do is put the whole WordPress uh, WordCamp event thing into a jar, shake it up and see what comes out. And the idea really is to have smaller events, so meetups and that kind of thing, with a different single focus. So rather than it just being the normal formula of show up, there'll be a diverse range of WordPress topics, plus possibly a contributor day or afternoon or something like that. The idea is to, is to go deep on a particular area. So that could be, I don't know, something like workshop, says here, um, workshop on conferences, networking events, not quite sure how that would be different from just going down the pub, but there you go. Um, and, and this is what's being proposed. You can imagine some people love it, the idea <laughs> of doing one thing and doing it really well. A lot of people are thinking, actually, hold on, I like how it is already. Can we just leave it alone? I should say that there, there's not really any talk of changing the flagship events. And by that, I mean WordCamp US, Europe, and Asia. They, I think they're immune. They're just still going to be in the format that we've got going at the moment. But yeah, big changes are for a little WordCamp uh, and meetups and things like that. And uh, Remkus, we probably should have said in the intro that Remkus is, was one of the founders of WordCamp Europe. 
many, many, many years ago, and he's been involved in the team. So he's got a lot of history and a lot of, no doubt, interesting thoughts about this. Did you read this, and what did you think about it? I read it, yeah. Um, so to my knowledge, the, the goal that is outlined here has already been expressed uh, prior to the, the, the disappearing of, of uh, offline events. So it's a, as far as I know, it's a long-standing wish. Um, and I think there's two, two important components here. Um, it serves a crowd that uh, prefers to have a single focus which I think uh, is, if you, if, you, if you start counting, is the larger uh, group of people um, we could target. It's also the group I don't think is coming to meetups and work camps at the moment very much. Um, and the second part is where there's um, um, the, the crowd that wants to see a diverse set um, has been catered to for the last... Um, so if I, if, I, if I look at WordCamp Netherlands, which I also uh, co-founded, the, the very first three, four editions were very focused. Um, focused on bloggers, focused on developers, focused on whatever we at that time thought was good to focus on. Um, that sort of has blended into a, a generic WordCamp. Um, and we're now seeing the wish to and uh, ourselves as well to sort of uh, specifically go into uh, different topics as well. Um, so... WordCamp Netherlands this time in uh, in September will have a focus on e-commerce and page builders, for instance. Um, so I think that makes a lot of sense. But I think we need to also be very careful that we're not splintering up too much, which I which is I think the the largest concern here. Um, if we're focusing on a particular group, we're not focusing on another group. So if the goal is to get as many people back to in, inside of uh, meetups and 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 WordCamps, then I think it needs to be a mix of the both. And I think the just the flagships and uh, uh, being generic and the rest being specific, I think that's uh, uh, too easy of a decision to to make. I, mm. I think it needs to be more than uh, uh, th that sort of split. Do I agree that there should be more focused uh, types of work camps? Yes, absolutely. Um, the idea that it has to be a couple of hundred people is something that's never been the intent, right? There's There's been a work camp, I think 25 people, 50? In uh, in Ventura, California, probably ten years back. Yeah, and that's that's a good example of what it also can be. Uh, it doesn't have to be a behemoth like WordCamp Asia or WordCamp Europe. It's that's never been the goal uh, per se. The goal has been to connect, at least from uh, from your WordCamp Europe perspective. The goal has been to connect to people, the hallway track. So, the networking part I like. That's something that needs to happen more, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I. I it has good points, but it also has downsides. So mm. um, it kind of depends yeah. on what your ultimate goal is. If the ultimate goal is to reach the crowd that you're not reaching so far, this might be a way, but it does. I think it should be a complementary thing, not necessarily an exclusionary thing. I think I probably missed that point. Sarah pointed out in the article, I should say also, that Sarah Gooding was the person that wrote that article, and I will link to it in the show notes. She made the point that, yeah, the intention was to find new people who perhaps haven't showed up so far. So uh, maybe mm. that will work or not. Uh, Paul, I want to turn it to you, if that's all right, because obviously being somebody that's in charge of a bunch of people, 
You mm. send people to these kind of events? In other words, do you yeah. reach into your pocket to pay for them? And are you more likely <laughs> to reach into your pocket to pay for an event where it really does, like the topic just coincidentally aligns with what your agency are doing? So we've seen web accessibility yeah. maybe is a new thing for you or a thing that you're going to focus on. Are you more likely to focus your staff going to, I don't know, an event in Holland or Italy or something where web accessibility or something in your copybook is going on? I think we're sending a big group on one of that group going to WordCamp Europe this year. So there's nine of us going. Uh, and actually, we're going to ensure in, in a group of that size to allow people to cross-pollinate between things that they may not see in their day-to-day -day lives. So actually, we find that WordCamp Europe um, uh, quite useful for that group. But I was going to suggest that I think it, it benefits when you have like um, additional events like either side of a WordCamp maybe. So one thing that you know was really part of our attention at WordCamp Europe at uh, WordCamp Asia was the Enterprise Gap meetup that was run by Human Made and XWP, um, and they're doing that again at WordCamp Europe this year. Um, and I think you know there's also events taking place around AI, and they might be online events, but I think that's where they could be add-ons to what already happens at WordCamp. Um, I don't think we'd spend, send that number of people to a specific event, uh, like just an AI for WordPress event. We might send a couple, but actually the bigger, the bigger work camps are, are great for sending a wider range of people. So project managers, developers, client people, you know, and getting them to, to go to different talks and, and different things. Some might be going to ones on content, some might be going to ones on development, some might be going to ones on culture, and that's really important to us. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Same question really to Katie. Obviously, Remkus just mentioned that, was it Netherlands, Word, the, the one with the um, WooCommerce focus? I apologize, Remkus. I forgot. Yeah, that's, the, that's WordCamp Netherlands. Okay, so the WordCamp Netherlands is going to have a focus on, a, uh, sorry, uh, WooCommerce, and there was one other topic as well. Are you more likely to send, Katie, some of your staff to that one? Because that seems right in your wheelhouse as opposed to something generic. You know, it would depend on the location. Um, uh, so yep. for me yep. and many other people, I believe, the main value of WordCamps is the networking, meeting people, learning from people, building partnerships, connections, learning from other people, all of that. And so it mentioned in the article networking only events, and I'd actually be more interested in that than a topic specific event because you can learn about topics in so many different ways through online resources and things, whereas the meeting people in person is the, I'd say, the unique thing about WordCamps. So I'd be more inclined to send my team to a WordCamp that covers everything or was just networking. So, for example, there'll be seven of us at WordCamp Europe this year and two at WordCamp US. So we tend to choose the flagship ones where the team members are. Uh, so I'd be more interested in enhanced networking opportunities, uh, which they're not really doing at the moment. They're letting it happen organically. So, for example, a years ago, in um, I think it was Paris in 2017 or something, they had a speed networking event. Uh, I think it was organized by Tribe, as they were then. And um, you, it was like topic specific, but networking. So they had a marketing people networking, a product people networking, accessibility people networking, and so on. So you could network with people that were interested in the same things as you. 
So for me, that would be more valuable than going to talks about particular topics, for example. Yeah, interesting. Rem, because you know, you mentioned it would be a shame if it also if it splintered everybody. Just just from our little round robin here, the four, well, the, the three of you, it does sound like you've got slightly different agendas in all cases. So yeah, we'll have to see how this works out. I, to be honest with you, I think I like Katie because it's just me essentially, and I'm just looking for uh, content. I go there to record people content. It really wouldn't bother me which one of those it was. I could probably attend any of those and, and that would be fine. But I, I get the point that a, where you are, you know, you don't want to put people on long distance flights if you can avoid it, but b the topic, um, yeah, we'll have to see how this works out. A corollary to this, which isn't linked to this, but I have a memory, and forgive me if I'm speaking out of turn, I have a memory that there's also a bit of a push to bring speakers in to speak at these events that aren't necessarily connected with WordPress. Does anybody remember that story from a couple of weeks ago, just bringing people in from yeah, industry? Yeah, it's about US, isn't it? Where Was it US? US right. looking at that. Yeah, okay. That's a whole can of worms. Yeah, I mean, it does seem curious, doesn't it? Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of heritage and history and networking that goes on. And, and it, it would be, I don't know, there's almost like a little pecking order or working your way up the ladder in a sort of sense. And you get to speak at these events because you've got a heritage of doing things and what have you. I'm over-egging it. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. But okay, so we got a few comments about that. First of all, Cameron says... Um, he's he's not sure if this will really solve anything. WordCamps could already do this, e.g. WP Campus, but the standard format they took was because they worked. He goes on to say, I'm all for specialist events. They're a good idea and we need more of them, but trying to mandate it will only alienate already struggling communities. Interesting. I agree. And then, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and then Rob Cairn says, the other issue is flagship work camps need to increase allowed numbers of attendees. That would help as well. There is no reason with the pandemic behind us that they cannot do this. I guess um, I guess the, the the ceiling there is is maybe the ceiling, excuse me, I've just put another comment on one second. Is the ceiling there maybe limited by the venue itself? So, for example, at WordCamp US, they had a ceiling, but that was the pandemic, wasn't it? They kept it at 600. But I think that in WordCamp Europe, there was a ceiling of, you know, just how many people that building is allowed yeah. under its. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then David. Hi, David. I don't know uh, that name. So forgive me if I say it wrong. Uh, David Lutz. Subject-based WordCamps could be easier for finding sponsors. Ooh, good point. And I know that finding sponsors is a hot topic uh, at the moment. I, my understanding is it's harder than it's ever been uh, for WordCamp Central to find the, the big sponsors that they need. So maybe that's, uh, yeah, a good point. Okay, that was an interesting chat. Thank you for joining me on that one. Right, let's move on. This is about an event, by coincidence. This is WordPress Accessibility Day. If you are keen to speak at WordPress uh, Accessibility Day, which is on September the 27th, 2023, uh, the call for speakers is now open. And they've got this page. Again, as always, I'll link in the show notes. There's no point in me reading out the URLs. But I kind of like this article because not only are they laying it out very clearly what it is that they want, they're very clear on the kind of speakers that they want, the sort of the topics that they broadly think might be of interest to their listenership. Um, but they also go into the description of what they think a good talk would look like, the exact number of minutes that you need to be stood up, including the amount of minutes that you need to spend um, 
taking questions and all that kind of stuff. There's an option to put together panels if you want to do that. But also, and I think this might generate some interest, uh, rather than a typical WordCamp where everything is on a voluntary basis, if you are um, one of the speakers who is accepted, they will throw in $300 for the session. Uh, it's going to be paid directly to you, it says. I guess, you know, you just apply by yourself, not as part of a company or what have you. Um, so, yeah, if you've got a panel, it says that it's up to you to decide how you want to share that money out. But it looks like a panel would still receive 300 not 300 each because you know you could get really carried away that i've got a panel of 90 and uh <laughs> you know, we're gonna bankrupt the event uh <laughs> so if you want to propose a talk the the floodgates have opened first of may is when it all began and you've got until the 11th of june so thinking caps on you've got about four weeks uh, i just wanted to raise that as a community thing but i don't know if anybody in the panel wants to talk about it can i, I can see. i add something to this yeah please do it's slightly related um, there is, um, uh, I mentioned this in my newsletter, uh, going out, uh, went out on, uh, on last Friday, there's a alley collective, which is an initiative by uh, level level here in the Netherlands. And they have courses up for anyone not yet fully, uh, comfortable in what do I need to do to make a site accessible? Um, there's a great course that they offer. And uh, next Thursday is, or this Thursday is International Accessibility Day or something like that. Um, and on that day, they're making their course as uh, accessible as possible for anyone. So you can essentially pay what you can afford. Nice. Uh, Remkes, will you drop the, the link into the little private chat and then I will um, make sure. If, if, if you can find it, that's great. And I will mention it. But uh, if, well, if you Google... Um, um, Ali Collective, which is spelled uh, A11Y. Yeah. And then uh, Collective, you'll find it. Okay. Thank you. That's, yeah, that's great. And it sounded, Paul, like you wanted to get in there as well. I just wanted to ask if it was an online event. Or okay. That's a good question. Um, well, it's got. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You'd have thought it would have said that right at the top, but I don't see that. I bet somebody in the comments will know. But I do not know. Um, let's hope that somebody in the comments is paying attention and actually knows. I don't know. I'm sorry, Paul. Can't help you. I thought the, the amount that they're willing to pay for a speech is quite quite good, actually. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what in relative terms is good. But it, yeah, I mean, it, I guess if you're doing it as an online thing, then it mm. may very well pay for a proportion of the time it takes to make it. But if if it's a yeah. if it's a real world event, you know, and you've got to get on a plane or a train, then yeah, mm. kind of probably goes into insignificance compared to that but uh, yeah anybody can tell us that would be really helpful let's go to the hive mind of the comments that would be really useful uh katie anything or shall we move on um just that yeah it's interesting they're starting to pay people it does seem to be a bit of a trend that they're going in that direction because WordCamp us were talking about that if they brought in external speakers not sure how external speakers have a higher value than people from the WordPress community financially, but it's an interesting development anyway. Um, just I've went to the about page, by the way. So it's the 2023.wpaccessibility.day. Nice URL, by the way, uh, forward slash about. And it just says it's a 24-hour global event. So I'm guessing it's online. Either that or the organizers are going to have fully red eyes. Uh, by the end of it so uh, it's virtual says Cameron thank you that's really helpful 
bravo. Thanks for that. Um, great. Okay. Great. All right. Let's move on. Next one is WP Tavern once more. This is, I think this is a piece of news which we've covered in the past, but it does seem that like it's been uh, rebranded and thrown together uh, as, a, as, a, as a new release. Brian Gardner, who you'll remember, well, WordPress users from a while ago will remember the fabulously popular Genesis framework, which it kind of felt like more or less everybody used for a period of time. Uh, Brian, he now works for WP Engine, but just prior to joining WP Engine, he really got into the block space and he released a, I think it was a theme, theme framework at that time called Frost. Then when he went over to work at WP Engine, they took it on board. And so they've re-released it now. Um, he had it as a paid offering. And now my understanding is it's completely open source. You can get the entire thing. And it looks like a really, really nice, credible offering. If you want to get yourself a site up and running, it's fairly opinionated in its design. I don't know if you can see the screen, but lots and lots of 90 degree angles and bold colors, butting up against bold colors, so blacks against whites against really vibrant blues. There's a lot of options in the, I want to say customizer, but the site editor to sort of just change these globally. There's a little video from Twitter which shows how that's really nicely implemented, a little background gradients change when you when you do that. So rather than it just changing the buttons or the titles or what have you, you get this real different feel to the, the homepage and so on. So anyway, it's out. It's released with a ton of patterns. I think there's about 40 for 35 something. Oh, yeah, there you go, 36. And uh, if you are looking to get into block-based block, block -based sites, this looks like a really nice way to go. Bravo, Brian. Bravo, WP Engine. Open to the floor. Remkus, Katie, Paul, anything to say? I think it's always been free for first off, uh -huh. <clears throat> and, it, and it's it's very complete. Um, but I think, uh, um, yeah, I think I think it's a, a beautiful way to learn how to actually build full site editing themes. Yeah. Um, same goes with the one uh, Mike McAllister released. Uh, Ollie, oh, Ollie, OllieWP.com. Oh. Uh, Love that one as well. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So between the two, uh, this, these two, you have a lot to learn, and you'll you'll end up producing. Uh, great functionality uh, as native to WordPress as you can. Yeah. He says here that uh, Frost was in it. So this is Brian in the comments. He said it was initially launched as a paid theme in the summer of 2021, but I don't think it lasted for anything more than a matter of weeks. So it kind of went on. I've radar. never seen the paid version. Yeah, I, I don't think it. I think he was picked up by WP Engine more or less immediately. He was on this show talking about it, and then it felt like the next time he was on the show, he was employed, and it was only a a few weeks later. Um, yeah. Apparently fairly lightweight. There's something somewhere in the comments. Somebody inspected it all, and there was very little. 99, 99, 90 lines of PHP, 300 lines of CSS, and then the theme JSON file. So a lot of heavy lifting done by very few lines of code. Paul, Katie, anything? Yeah, I was just going to um, just echo what Redcliffe said in terms of learning. That's the most important thing as we come and navigate into the block-based era. You know, one of the things that, that we've been doing over the last couple of years is bringing people up to speed in, in the best way to do this. And and it's still it's still a continuing pattern where we, you know, it's it's useful to see something and then learn from it rather than having to go through the documentation yourself and try and work it out for yourself. You know, and I think what Brian does is is brilliant. I think that the attention to detail is is incredible. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's quite minimalist as well. So you can build upon it and you can you can leverage it. Um, so absolutely great that it's out there um, yep. and the more resources that you can 
you know, I find it easier to go and find something and go, okay, that, how did they do that? Rather than trying to work through the documentation myself. It's kind of interesting. Um, Remkus mentioned this other one by Mike McAllister called Ollie. I'm going to I'm going to put it up because I think it's really curious what he's done here. Uh, so this is his um, theme. It's called Ollie. Well, I don't know if it's called Ollie WP or just Ollie, but the URL is Ollie WP. Uh, it comes with so many patterns. I w yeah, here we go. There's just like this carousel on the screen. Sorry if you're listening to this, but there's a carousel of all of the different blocks, as uh, so a block patterns that he's throwing together. But again, beautifully designed, very very nicely done. But if you look at his homepage, what do you, something curious about that? Rather than sort of show off about the theme, kind of interested to see that he's actually showing off about full site editing. So the learning piece is obviously really crucial to Mike because he's, he's, he's yep. really he's showing the Gutenberg UI as part of building it. So he's showing the, the styles uh, panel and he's showing all of the blocks lined up and how he's done it. This is really great. He's got it on GitHub at the moment. I don't know if he's got a plan to put it into the repo, but at the moment it's on GitHub. It's, submitted. it's already submitted. Uh, great, great. This one goes for fast as well. I think that that's uh, supposed to end up in the... WordPress theme directory as well. Right, right. Um, anyway, just another beautiful project. So Frost is Brian Gardner's, Ollie's is Mike McAllister, and they're both worth looking at. I linked to Ollie's in last week's show notes, but we didn't really talk about it, so I won't link to it again, but you can go to last week's episode if you want to. Katie, anything to add? Yeah, well, I was impressed about them making it free um, and in particular refunding the people who previously paid. I'm slightly less impressed now you've pointed out that it was only premium for a matter of weeks because it was probably only one or two people or something. But yeah. the sentiment is <laughs> oh. good that they're proactively contacting people and refunding them because the resource is now free. So yeah. I thought that was good. Yeah, really nice. Oh, some more comments. Uh, so it's basically just people saying hi, isn't it? I don't think we've got any substantive comments. Just one from um, Atif. Sorry if I've pronounced that wrong. The block editor. Sorry if I'm controversial and you all love it, but I can't stand it. <laughs> there's always, there's, there's always, you know, welcoming other opinions. I get it. I know it's not for everybody. I, I, I know lots of people who won't go anywhere near it and I fully get it. All I can say, um, Atif, is if you do try it, it may have moved on a little bit since you last tried it. And there are now some really nice initiatives making use of it. It's come a long way since WordPress 5.0 is considerably better. That being said, Caveat mTOR, if you want to do full site editing or just site editing, it still has a lot of limitations. You're probably still going to get more mileage out of that tried and trusted classic theme for things like, I don't know, menus and stuff like that. But okay, there we go. So that was uh, Ollie and Frost. Uh, we're on to another block-based theme. This is just such an interesting project, I had to mention it. This doesn't exist, but this is a project which Jonathan Bossinger from Automatic wants to exist. And I'll just paraphrase. He, Jonathan does a lot of the content over at learn.wordpress.org. Uh, and he one of the pieces of content that he wished to do in a live setting was he wanted to make a, a block-based theme. Um, but being Jonathan, he was quite upfront about it, and he said, "I'm not, I'm not a designer, so I could build a theme." But I think essentially what he was saying, reading between the lines of nobody will want to use it because it will be fairly ugly. And so he tweeted or he social mediaed something and said, "Can I? Can somebody who's better at design than me 
give us a hand. And he got a reply. He got a reply from Emily Rapport. And I don't know if that's Rapport or Rapport, um, but she came back with a bunch of designs. And you can see them on the screen. Beautiful, like a lot of things offset, like at quirky angles, but really nice designs. And so Jonathan, over the next period of time, on his Twitch channel, I don't know, I haven't got the link to the Twitch channel. It's probably embedded on the page in here somewhere. He's going to slowly but surely, hour by hour, build this out. And so if you want to be like Mike McAllister and you want to be a little bit like Brian Gardner and you want to build your own block-based things without having a clue where to start then Jonathan Bossinger is going to help you out. He reckons it's going to take quite a long time, as it's just little slots here and there and everywhere. He's hoping to have it finished by the end of 2023, which is great. Um, it's, but it's going to be a long project in little tiny chunks, which is probably uh, the best for everybody's brain. But uh, he's going to call it Sendig, and it's going to be a new block-based theme, but it's going to come slowly but surely. I just thought that was a really curious initiative for people. I mean, I don't do block-based themes, but if I did want to do it, I kind of like the idea of hanging out on a weekly basis with probably the same handful of people. We'd probably end up cracking jokes and wasting <laughs> loads of time, but it would still be quite nice uh, as a little enterprise each and every week. I think this is such a cool little project. Over to you if you've got anything to add. I, I think it's really interesting. It kind of proves that not everybody can do everything in WordPress. Yeah, I think yeah, sometimes there's just, just this idea that if you use WordPress, you should be able to do everything. You can design and you can develop. And there's a lot of people that can do that, but not everybody can. Um, and you need somebody with, you know, specialist design skills sometimes to come up with the thinking, you know. Um, and, when you, when know, you started it, Filter, Paul, yeah. I don't know if you started yeah. Filter, but when, when you were at the beginning of your freelancer journey or agency journey, how many times did you tell the client, oh, yeah, well, I can do that, yeah, and then leave, that. leave the meeting and go, I have no idea how I'm <laughs> going to do that? <laughs> I think I think most of the, the challenges of being part of an agency is exactly that conversation, actually, because yeah. you're always being pushed to do something that you you've not done before yeah um, and that's you know that's why I love being part of an agency yeah because uh, we get to come up with solutions and we get to do things and yeah and you, and you also get to delegate it you can <laughs> yeah. do it <laughs> well I, you know I, many years ago you know I used to be the person that that was doing those things and actually as you grow up and you grow gray um, and older um, I think you, you you have to recognize that you can't do it all yourself anymore and you get to a certain size and suddenly you know we do have developers and designers and project managers and business analysts and things like that that are all responsible you know and I wade in every now and then and go I can do all of this I, I you know I used to do it and then after about five minutes I'm just like oh my god this is really hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> can somebody take it off me and do it properly I'm not um, taking it personally Paul but in that last little diatribe there you said you've gone you know going grey and you've got to a certain size it's yeah. it, all it, it, it happens it's all to beginning all. to tie together and yeah, weigh yeah. in i think was also <laughs> oh um yeah so good morning mark thanks for joining us mark westgard i, st I still think mark i still think i've got a little graphic here somewhere yeah look <laughs> this message is approved by mark westgard there he is mark's joining us katie anything to add remkus anything to add to this yeah, I think it's a really good example of why there is still a future for themes, although differently, because the design is missing 
yeah, you can physically do different things with full site editing and blocks, but you do still need a designer to create a professional looking design for okay. your website. And so I think that there will always be that role. And um, even though the industry of themes is evolving. Um, and I also think it's a really nice example of building in public because it's not just the process that he's building in public. It's the whole conception of the idea and finding somebody to partner with. So it's a real kind of cradle to grave example of a project building in public. Yeah, I just like the idea of doing it based upon what the crowd tell you each week. You know, presumably it'll morph into, well, presumably that design, but I bet it goes pear-shaped a few times and goes off the rails a little bit now and then. But good luck, Jonathan. Remkus, anything? Yeah, what I, what I like about this is that um, if if I look at how I learn, I look at what something is already there. I dissect it and I play with it. I change something and I, oh, okay, so, so that does that and, you know, move on. Um, but I recognize that's not how everybody learns. And so what's Jonathan, uh, knowing him from what I've seen in his streams and uh, and, and, and so... Uh, he's most likely going to start from scratch. Yeah. So he's going to uh, process all the things that are to learn in the in between. Um, and I like that. So that's a different way of learning. Uh, it's a slower pace, obviously, because he has to figure out every single thing. So, for instance, the the themes that uh, Brian and uh, Mike have released, they have fluid typography in there. Now you can dive all into how does fluid typography work. But if you have an example of how it works, that works better for me personally to learn. Um, yeah. Jonathan most likely is going to figure out how it works, explain how it works, and then build it. Right. So there's a different approach, and I I, I like that. So that there's a more diverse way of learning because we don't all learn in the same way. So just to let you know, the he's got three things out already. He's got develop your first low low code block theme, and then he's got a developer's guide to block themes part one and part two. They're linked to in the article. But in terms of when this gets going, not entirely sure. But he's going to, as he builds it, he's going to have a GitHub repository open so that the, the amendments that he makes week by week will be freely available to everybody. So, yeah, nice little project. Again, I'll link to it in the show notes. The URL is too long to read. Um, WordPress companies in the news lately. Yoast uh. has been in the news a lot lately. Uh, did somebody just burp? I was wondering that. Was that you, Remkus? Did uh, you think you'd muted yourself? Because I have to say that was that was quite the burp. <laughs> That's great. Hang on, that is the episode title. It's just going to be called Burp. <laughs> oh, that was unbelievable. Did you think you'd press? That's hilarious. <laughs> That's great. Do it again periodically during the rest of the. I, I can, but I won't. <laughs> oh, you've really knocked me off there. Um, Yoast, a company that's been in the news a lot for all sorts of different reasons. Um, they've been bought out by Newfold Digital not that long ago. They had um, Yoast himself step down. Then Marika more recently stepped <clears> down. And Tice, I believe that's how you pronounce it, he's also stepped down. And so I guess that left a bit of a vacuum. And we have somebody who stepped into it. I confess, this is not a name that I'm familiar with. Let me just pop the article on the screen. Uh, this is easy to read the URL to. It's yoast.com forward slash meet forward slash Kimberly forward slash Cole. I've just remembered the burp and it sent me off again. Um, and she's now the new leader at Yoast. My understanding is that she has a different background. She's become, she was appointed the general manager of Newfold Europe. Uh, 
recently, but she's now stepped into the role. I don't know if this is a role that she's going to amalgamate with other roles or if this is now her unique role, but I, I've not encountered her in the WordPress space. Forgive me, Kimberly, if I'm... Uh, if I just haven't been paying attention, but uh, yeah, kind of curious that the the Yoast team has has now got some new leadership. Remkus, I don't know if you are able to, want to, wish to, or just avoid the topic altogether, or you can just burp if you like. Um, you are never going to live that down, mate. That's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll <laughs> Tell own us it. about Kimberly. I moved forward. I had to let it go, and I think <laughs> I mute myself. But uh... hey, I'm only human. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Fun. I get it. Um, no, I, 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 am not familiar with her, so I, I, I have no other comment than I'm sure that she's, uh, she's a good choice and she'll, uh, help Yoast propel to the next level. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. Yes. I mean, the, the usual thing she said, uh, in answer to the question, will there be any significant changes? She says, as I'm new to the WordPress world, WordPress world, I will be first listening and learning from the amazing Yoast team, our customers and the community. My main focus will be to understand our customers' needs um, and see how I can better serve them. It's uh, it's what you might expect, you know, just don't change things too radically and we'll see how the leadership changes. Uh, Katie and Paul, I don't know if you've got anything on this. It seems like a maybe yeah. you do, maybe you don't. I just think it's an interesting sign of the ongoing professionalism of WordPress and making it run more like a business. Obviously, Yoast are at the forefront of that anyway, but bringing in business leaders from outside of the community, um, it's you know you wouldn't actually have seen that so much five or ten years ago. I, I think that's a great point, and and actually, you know, I'm, I'm interested in what the direction will be because it's it's a big change, right from from where Yoast was. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's so important to WordPress. You know, it's it I think when we when we build sites, we have a collection of 10 to 15 kind of default plugins that we put on every single site that that for one reason or another kind of fix some of the missing bits of WordPress um, that we and, and Yoast is one of those. That's yeah. our kind of go to SEO plugin and has been for years. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see if they think change things like, you know, what features you get for free, you know, what what pricing there is for the model, um, and what they can add to it. I um, think search engines are such a difficult thing to predict at the minute. I think for the last decade or more, it really has just been chasing the algorithm and trying to back, you know, reverse engineer what the algorithm is doing, and then creating a product around that. I just really don't know what search is going to be like in the future. And I don't know whether it'll be a search engine list or whether it'll be some kind of chat interface. I use a I use a search engine now. I've decided to just bin Google for a bit and see what that does to me. And so I've paid for a search engine called Neva, which is N-E-E-V-A. I've mentioned it a few times on the show. They've been scraping the internet for five years and they were they were doing the AI thing before Bing got chat GPT and all that. And so you type in something and then it would create this unique AI paragraph with with uh, footnotes to where they'd scrape that particular content. And I, I just I do wonder if in the future we're going to be looking at a search engine list or if we're more going to be asking for the answer to the problem. Um, mm. Just the one thing, you know, going for the AI res result at the top. And if that's the case, I, I think SEO is going to be. Yeah, really different game. Anyway, sorry, total aside. Good luck, Kimberly. And um, 
Yeah, and then, then we've got some uh, just laughing emojis. I wonder what inspired that. Uh, Cameron Cameron can't stop laughing. And <laughs> Burt Press. Yes, this week in Burt Press. Let's go with that. Uh, Jonathan uh, Courtney says, just going back to that previous piece, Jonathan is also starting uh, into an entire learning pathway for developer curriculum for Learn WP. Okay, so not just one thing on the go, many, many things, including uh, yeah, a whole slew of things. What's it? What are you doing now? <laughs> you do. He's going to hijack the rest of this show no, with his bodily, bodily noises. You've got a roadcaster. You could fill that little pad up with all the noises of the circus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should have yeah. used that one. Yeah, I was thinking of other ones. Uh, bodily noises. Right. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. So every is it every year? I think it's every year. The Webbies. The Webbies come around. It's a bit like the the Oscars for the. <laughs> for the, the, the internet. And there's always a whole load of things, but I just thought I'd show a few things off. This is a piece on WP Engine's blog. It's called WordPress Wins Big at the Webbies. <laughs> I, I don't know if WordPress did win big at the Webbies or if it was just designers of websites won big at the Webbies, but I'll just show you a couple. And I, I don't know. I, I'm really conflicted about this award because or these awards because, as I'm about to show you, the site's... I don't know. Maybe I'm being uncharitable. So here's one, right? So here's one. Uh, we've got one called Give a Grad a Go. And this this is what it looks like, giving it a, a demonstration there. Fairly, uh, as you'd imagine, you know, it's a bunch of rows. And to me, it, it looks like you know, a, a respectable website, but there's no sort of, there's no sort of whiz bangy stuff. So there's that. Then another one was called RCA records. This is kind of quirky. Have a look at this as you, as you move around your mat. I mean, that is quite an interesting little effect. You really have to be watching it, but as you move around the, um, the, the sort of the typography changes, if you move left and right, the width and the spacing of the fonts changes. And if you move down, you've got lots and lots of I'm gonna say stuff which Peach and Neri, from a URUX perspective, she'll she'll be like screaming at the screen at this point because you don't seem to have any agency as to whether or not this scrolls or doesn't. We've got videos in the background, we've got scrolling text and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, look, text moving around and we've got a transparent header and all of that. And then there's another one here called uh, AI model. <laughs> we'll be talking about AI model. And this very importantly has three squares, which you can move around on the screen and it makes the photo look different. So I don't know what to make of this. I mean, okay, I guess it's a bit like an award ceremony for the music industry or something that the pushing the boundaries is going to get the results. But what do you, what do you think about this? Is, is, is this the right enterprise? Are we rewarding things here just because they look glamorous? I do wonder what the, what the accessibility requirements of these websites are. I don't know. But anyway, bravo to the companies that have won. But I just don't know what to make of these awards. I bet everybody wants to avoid this topic. <laughs> Actually, just, just, to, just to push, we, we won a Webby once. <laughs> um, I know it was at an agency I used to work at. I didn't work on the project too much. I'm not going to take any claim <laughs> for it at all. It was um, for Yo Sushi. Um, and it actually, I think, you know, it was one based on how we approach the menu and deliver the menu and creatively. It, it was quite nice. Looking back, it was, you know, 
not accessible in the slightest. Um, I don't think. But um, but it, it seemed like a vast award ceremony, you know, with a gazillion categories, and we won a very small category on hospitality sites or something like that. It was nice to do it. It was nice. But, to do, get but does it give your does it give your agency a bit of a leg up in the same way that let's say you won a Grammy? or you want an Oscar, you are kind of more or less guaranteed work for the next decade, aren't you, on the back of that, or at least sales for the next decade? Yeah, it didn't work for that agency. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, it was really nice, and it was something to shout about. You know, it, agencies uh, the, agencies like Live and Die, particularly in the creative industries, about which awards they win, um, and, you know, DNAD, Black Pencils, things like that, you know, that, that, that's really important to the reputation of the agency. Is the um, is the Webby a thing you have to pay for to enter the? Oh, is it? I don't know. I don't know. I, probably, probably. Because I I um, know of most of these types of awards, you actually pay yeah. for the thing and you kind of get awarded the payment instead of. Oh, is it one of them? They're really dodgy and oh, they yeah. create a category for everybody who would pay, basically. I don't know if, <laughs> if, if this one is, but I know a lot of those um, um, awards. You see, agency claiming they've won. I, I know yeah. a few of them are, you know, just pay 3K and uh, you have an award. Oh, yeah, I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. I, is, I think this is different. Yeah, this, is this has been going for a while. It's a big, a big thing. So this is, this is pretty global. It's interesting, um, though, because I, I do want to... Sorry. Apologies. No, no, I just, sorry. I just can say that there are those things around. And actually, I think that's that's why the bigger, age, the, the bigger award ceremonies are quite important, because it stands you out, because it is industry recognized yeah the I, I i just wonder what the incentive is in other words uh, you know are we looking at a website which is beautiful um mm. if you are fully sighted and have access to a mouse mm. and all of the normal um conceits of a web user or I, I i wonder what what the kind of experience would be for any of this for somebody who was using i don't know assistive technology it'd be kind of interesting and i wonder what the goalposts are uh, Peter Ingersoll makes the point that uh, he's, I guess he's quoting from the website, about the Webby Awards. The Webby Awards is the leading international award honouring excellence on the internet, end quote. And then his comment, his pithy comment is, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that's right. We do an award ceremony every year uh, on WP Builds where uh, if you pay us, you will win. But, <laughs> But we, um, Who's the point? Yeah, no, 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 hang on, hang on. Wait, it's not as bad as it sounds. You don't pay us what? anything. You have to give the money to Big Orange Heart, and then you have to send us the receipt. And if you send us the receipt, then we'll guarantee you win whatever segment you want. So you, you self-certify, you know, like, I don't know, I, me, it might be greyest WordPresser or something like that. Remkus's category is now sealed forever. Um, but... but but you think seal. Yeah, that's right. This, you this you donate money to Big Orange Heart, send the me the receipt, and then I will stick you up. We do it every year. We have done for two years. And so, yes, yes you buy your way into victory, but it that's Can I the say deal. for the record? Yeah. Can I say for the record? That was a mild burp. Like, that was on the low. <laughs> <end. laughs> 
Yeah, redecoration is required if you do the uh, the regular. <laughs> the regular it, it really oh, is. Honestly, not. we're never going to live this down. So yes, we do do that kind of thing, but it's for a good cause, and you get you know what you're getting into at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be raise, raising that probably a little bit later in the year to raise money for uh, Big Orange Heart or whatever charity is going at the time. So that's the Webbies. You can go and look at that. I'll link to it in the show notes. Right, okay, it's time. We've had just about an hour, and we haven't really mentioned AI very much. So now's the time. Uh, probably the rest of the show will go into this. Sam Altman, who is the CEO of OpenAI, has decided that uh, remote work was a silly experiment and one that we really should now repeal. I don't think he's trying to claim that, you know, during the pandemic, everybody should have been going in. But I think he's saying as it was forced upon us and it was a, an experiment which we tried to run, now is the time to decide that that was a mistake. It, this article, which I'll link to, it's over on Fortune. Hey, by the way, little trick. If you come across a paywalled article like this, and you're using a browser like Brave built into the URL bar is this little article view. If you just enable the article view, you just get mm. the whole article. But nice. Minus, I did not know that. But minus the uh, minus all the pictures, it just shows you the text, which is what I want to see anyway. I don't need to see the pictures of Sam Altman. So you can just turn that on and off. That'll probably now last about a week now, now that I've mentioned it. But for now, if you go to any of those paywall things and and you know, have a look, because it's not you're running the JavaScript. I don't know how it works, but anyway. So he's basically saying, can we get back to work now? Can we go back into the office? The proximity to other people brings a function to creativity. It enables all sorts of things that being stuck on the end of Zoom calls and what have you uh, don't allow for. Now, I know that Automatic, for example, is a fully distributed team. Uh, as far as I'm, I'm aware, it always has been, always will be. Um, I know Paul, uh, Paul uh, Filter, your agency, it, forgive me if I misspeak, but I think you are distributed entirely as well. Um, what do you make of this? Do you think that it is time to call that experiment a day and get back get back into no. the office? No. Nope. No, he's wrong. Good. I can tell you 100% wrong. There is nothing I enjoy more than not getting on a train into central London five yeah, days a yeah. week and getting back again. Like, wait, like, it was a really nice time when we used to commute into London. I worked in Paddington. I worked in Soho. You know, it, it, it's a nice place to be, right? I get that. It's fantastic. We used to say when we were there, We'll look back on this in a few years' time or 10 years' time and go, we used to work in the middle of Soho. Like, how amazing, go out for a beer after work. And I watched a, a lot of films on my tablet going backwards and forwards. But I used to leave the house at quarter past seven in the morning. Um, sometimes before the kids had got up, I didn't see them go to school. Um, you know, And that was to get into work by nine. Uh, it used yeah. to take me an hour and a half door to door. By the time you walked to the station, got on the train, walked you know got on the tube then walked to the office it's an hour and a half right and then i ended up leaving earlier and earlier and earlier to get back home for a decent time so even if it leave at work at under quarter past five you still wouldn't get back to almost seven at night by which again you've missed like missed your kids lives and i i just started doing less and less of it before covid and when covid hit i was like come on we're we're done um let's let's go remote first can I ask you, really how do you combat? Because I can imagine that if you put a bunch of people into a room and mm. they're creative people and they've got to do creative mm. work, whether that's coding or, you know, designing, what have you. Yeah. I, I imagine there is some there is some truth in the fact that, that, that just that 
just the fact that they're all bumping together in the same room, thing sparks will fly that might be difficult to to create elsewhere. How do you create that atmosphere? Yeah. How do you do that online? There's trade-offs. Mm. I'm sure Katie will know this as well with with her team. But the, the, I think we we have reg, you know regular stand-ups. We have daily stand-ups for each of our projects where everybody's coming together to talk about issues, of the, and that happens every single day. We are on Slack a lot. We do a lot of Google Meet meetings, we do a lot of Google Zoom meetings. And yeah, there'll always be a little bit that you're going to fail because of that, I guess. But then the trade-offs are that you don't have people that, you know, are all having to force to go into London or we're only able to hire people from a specific geographic area. Um, and it, it just works better for us. You know, I, I value the time outside of work as much as I really enjoy work, right? And I do a lot of work outside of work because I, I'm genuinely interested in what I do. But I think it's really important that we have a work-life balance and we, we get to see our kids and we get to see our partners and our spouses and our family. And I just don't think it's worth the time spending on a train going to London and back. Yeah, yeah. just quick, quick back of the postcard calculation. You've saved 60 hours a month. Yeah. A month. Of just sitting on trains and, you know, tubes, which with the best will in the world is actually quite a demoralizing enterprise, isn't it? It's not like you're equanimous getting onto the train. You know, it's busy and you, you come out of that whole thing feeling agitated and frustrated. Whereas yeah. now you get an extra hour and a half in bed. You get to yeah. see your kids at the other end of the day. There's there's a certain levity which is in your life from all of that. And, and so Sam Altman... What can we say? You, 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 I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure for your team it's going to work, but uh, yeah. Anyway, Remkus, it sounded Sam like you went again. I wonder if Sam has, has kids or a, or a relationship that is, uh, you know, where he has to be away from. Um, it's just weird for somebody to come out and determine that this is how it should be for everybody. That's right. Um, I'm not yeah. allowed to use swear, word, swear words here now, but I'm 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 very tempted. Yeah, well, you could you? package it up in a noise if you like. And just, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he's gonna! No, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm scared. Uh, yeah, okay. So Remkus and Paul firmly in the Sam Altman is wrong category. Katie, mm. what about you? Yeah, me too. I actually tweeted about this this morning because I disagreed with what he'd said. Um, I specifically said it was easy enough for him in Silicon Valley having access to the best tech yeah. talent in the world. Uh, some of us are based in, um, I, I started the company in the southwest England, nowhere near any major city. Now I live on an island in the Mediterranean. I do not have access to the best WordPress plugin developers and other roles that we need locally. It's, you know, it depends on where you live. And yet I can hire you know, the best people in the world from wherever they live. Um, yeah, we're on Slack all day. And like Paul said, we keep in contact. We meet up at WordCamps and things like that. And I totally accept that there are benefits to being together in person, but there are a lot of disadvantages, of course. And I remember when I had a, a normal job before I started my own business, I used to hate working in an office. People would come and talk to me about the weather and things. And <laughs> I'm a really motivated, hardworking person that was just trying to get on with it. I don't want to talk about what I'm eating for lunch or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
I yeah, think that's a really important point. You end up having, there's all sorts of different people, right? And people thrive in different ways of working. You know, I'm not for politics at all. I hate office politics. I can't stand it. I'm just not interested. It doesn't do anything for me. But I know that when I've worked in offices before or gone into other companies, you can see that happening. Mm. And, you know, it's it, it can be quite awkward for some people to work in that kind of environment. There's a lot of, like, rules that happen in those environment what are you wearing to work today or or oh so and so spending an extra 10 minutes at lunch or you know all of that stuff is yeah it's kind of ignored when yep. you work remotely and i feel slightly hypocritical in the fact that you know i actually in an office in letchworth um where i where i live that's separate to my home just because i work remotely doesn't actually mean that i'm working from home 24 oh, 7 because so you whilst I love my kids they're right. quite loud and yeah, actually yeah. <laughs> I, I, I benefit from being able to move around so, so you've got an you know, office for you for me. very close to home that's that's yes, exactly. yeah 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 it's, yeah it's it's in town and then we also have an office at home but my wife works remotely as well so some we share that office yeah. so sometimes we might yeah. be there I also go to the coffee shop and work because sometimes I do need to see people and just be around people and that that um, perks me up a bit as well. So, I think it's interesting know. how quickly, given any change in life, I think it's really interesting how quickly we become accustomed to it and it becomes the new normal, right? But cast your mind back to this. So this comment from um, from Steve kind of illustrates it perfectly. You know, he's got a 10-step commute now uh, from his home office, whereas previously it would be an hour each day. So it sounds a lot like you, Paul. Um, guess which is better for health and well-being. Cameron, possibly even more extreme, he was spending three to four hours a day commuting. Sounds broad, broadly similar to what Paul was doing. Um, and now that you're not doing that, you, you're just you're in what you're in, and so it's easy to forget. But just remember that, Sam Altman, with your mm. helicopter and your, <laughs> your chauffeur-driven... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's <laughs> not. He's not on the train into London. No, he's not on the he? train you into know? London, is he? And yeah. people commute and like yeah. drive and get stuck in traffic, and that's not healthy. Yeah, either it's not good for the environment. You know, Rob Cairns works at home. Is often at a co-working space or coffee sh- coffee shops somewhere. Even work on a regional transit sometimes. Yeah, I do mm-hmm. like the idea of um of yours, Paul, of getting a dedicated space, which is close to home, but, you know, mm. kind of allows you to, allows allows the kids to scream, but you yeah. don't get impacted. The other alternative is to download a piece of software called Crisp, and then, uh, yeah, and then it doesn't matter. Do you know, that would be interesting, Remka. Sorry to divert the conversation <laughs> again. If you installed Crisp and then tried to burp into the microphone, I just wonder... What would happen if it would be taken down the crisp void or not? It's some AI-based software which allows you move to on, Nathan. Move on. Yeah, I'm gonna move on. Yeah, sorry. You don't uh, want to keep you know, me here. Let's um let us indeed do that. We're gonna keep on the theme of AI. Uh Google this week had or last week I should say, had their uh, developer conference, Google I.O. And some I don't know if you saw somebody threw together a montage of Sun, Sundar Pichai or Pichai, yeah, I don't know how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah. The CEO of Alpha no, he's the CEO of Google, not Alphabet. And oh maybe he is Alphabet now, I think. Anyway, he they put together every time that he said the word AI or something equivalent to AI, generative AI, and they threw it together in a video. The video lasted about two minutes of him just going, AI, 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 AI. In other words, AI is all the hotness for Google and they 
they are coming for ChatGPT. And as you'll see in a moment, they're also coming to, you know, write your code for you as well. So this is the first announcement. This is something called PALM. It's an acronym, and I've forgotten what it stands for. Um, but you are now able to use this. I think you need a sort of developer account or something, but it's basically Google's alternative to chat GPT-4. Uh, the claims are that it does everything quicker, it's bigger, the language model is bigger, but it, I'm not sure if that's borne out by the data at the moment. But the point is, if you thought chat GPT was good, there's now a rival good thing. And you just wonder how quickly these two things are going to compete against each other. Because chat GPT-4, I think, has probably had a six-month head start and has wowed everybody. And that's the mm -hmm. only thing that we've been talking about. Whereas now we're going to have these two things, presumably in tandem, just trying to out-AI each other and, uh, and kill us all the more quickly. Um, and then... There's an article that I'll link to showing you the Google developer docs. And then this is probably the more interesting piece for uh, people who listen to this podcast. They have got a an AI coding assistant, which is either called Cody or Studio Bot. Um, it's been likened a bit like uh, GitHub's Copilot, except that rather than sort of completing code for you, you know, you show it something and you ask it to iterate on it and give you suggestions for how it might be improved. I think the idea of this is that certainly on Android at the moment, if you're an Android developer, you just tell it what you want it to do and it goes from the ground up and you iterate from there. So the conversation that we have every week is is something along these lines. Are you are you fearful for your jobs? You know, Katie, are you fearful that in a year or two's time it'll be relatively straightforward for anybody to speak into a, a chat bot and say, I want to be able to, well, take the, the WooCommerce plugin that you mentioned a moment ago, basically describe from the text on your homepage for that plugin what you want to happen and a chatbot like this will give something plausible, fairly decent back at them, therefore kind of undermining all the hard work that you've been doing. So I'll hand it over to Katie first. I'd say no. It's the execution. All the plugins are GPL anyway. Anybody That's could take our code and make either make a few changes or legally credit us in it and release it as their own. It's all about the execution, the marketing, the positioning. Things like theme testing as well, the, with the Express Shop Page plugin, we had to make sure that it would work on all themes. I'm not sure how a chatbot would have done that sort of level of rigor in the testing in different environments and everything. So I don't really see it. I see it as less of a threat than the people who are nulling our plugins and distributing them for free, which I don't see as much of a threat either, because it's all about the execution. Mm, thank you. That's a good point, and not one that I'd given any thought to, to be honest. Yeah, good point. Paul Remkus, I I see it as a big opportunity, to be honest. I think there's a lot of people that don't understand it. I think that that's that's key, and I think a lot of people are struggling right now with understanding what sort of changes will come about, and obviously there's a little bit of fear around it. I think that 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 will settle down in a couple of years. I think it's incredibly powerful in terms of what it can do. But, you know, ChatGPT only has data up to 2021. Uh, Google Pod still um, doesn't really tell the truth all the time. It doesn't do everything. I think, you know, it's a lot comes down to how, what data it's been trained on. And obviously Google has data, uh, access to certain types of data that OpenAI doesn't have access to and vice versa. I thought it was quite interesting that 
Um, I don't think Gigglebar was released in the EU, was it? I might be yeah. wrong. Yeah, no, it not. wouldn't surprise me if you were right. That strikes mm. me as the as exactly how it would be. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think I think that's the key. And I did, I did read somewhere about you know the more the the further this goes, the less transparent they'll be about where the data is coming from, because you know what what data is that being trained on because you, arguably you know you, you could say you have uh, the ability to say well that's my data you can't do that i thought pearson were really interesting they came out and said that they were they were getting a little bit annoyed with people trying to use their course data to to run ai models and they were going to stop that um, and sue anybody that, that did because that was their data so i think ownership of that content is going to become a, a really core issue in, in the next couple of years. Um, Mark Westgard, who um, knows a thing or two about this, he's uh, he's put in, I am absolutely confident that AI will never replace the ability to build a complex plugin. Paul is right. There is so much misconception around AI. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Remkus, anything? Um, I think I think we're um, we're in the middle of it. And we need to recognize that we're a very, very small percentage of the total. So I don't know how big it is, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking one, two, maybe three percent of um, people out there having access to the internet actually understand ChatGPT and know how to use it in a way that is productive. So I think it's very hard for us to determine what we can and what we cannot do with it, um, given the rate of the progression we've seen in the last six months. Um, and, and project that four or five years on. I think there's a lot of stuff that can be replacing stuff that, that we do. Um, but having said all that, I, I fully agree with Katie in terms of um, it is your, your your own unique interpretation of what you can do with it that makes it an, a valuable thing or not, whether Google has decided to jump into this as well. But I'm, I'm very curious what uh, Amazon's going to do, what Apple's going to do, because it's not just going to be the two that we see now. Um, and and with that, I think there's a, there will be a, a a long list of opportunities, more than there are threats, but there are threats, absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the concerns that I have is that the 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 fact that the the, the big players at the moment, so Google and and OpenAI, and probably the ones coming around the corner, like you said, Remkus, um, Apple, presumably. Uh, Amazon and a variety of others, I imagine, they're based in capitalist systems where the intention mm. is, you know, is to create profit. And mm. and I do wonder if that the race to create things which might get out of hand or can be misused by people who have nefarious intent. Um, and we've we've already seen certain things where people have been able to derail the guardrails that have been built into OpenAI just because they're ingenious and they want it to do things which it shouldn't be allowed to do. And that that strikes me as as potentially something which we need to get a hold of. So you know, if if somebody were to able to, I don't know, with the help of the of, of a chatbot, be able to use CRISPR or something to alter the gene structure of human beings, that doesn't strike me as a particularly great thing to allow any human to have access to. Um, but given the race to do it, I wonder how 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 impressive the guardrails will be. Um, yeah. I think the, the, the need, so it, in ter- globally, I think the truth is really important. And yeah. I, there was 
there's a trial going on at the moment uh, around Tesla, and the they're trying to they're talking about Elon Musk saying something about uh, full you know drivability of the cars and whether it's safe or not, and I think the lawyers for Tesla came to the table and said, well, we can't really prove that he said that, even though there's a video of him on the internet saying it. And their legal argument was, deepfakes are so good, you need to prove that he didn't say it. Wow. So it, it and whilst I think the, the judge has gone, no, um, don't be silly. Um, I think it's a really interesting point. You get to the point where, you know, things like that, and you can see it with the, the Screen Actors Guild, what they're doing at the moment, in terms of striking the contracts that are being put in place where, you know, you might sign away your rights for your voice to be used in perpetuity right, 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 right. Yeah. because you have starred in one film, for instance. I think that's that's where the biggest danger is. I think for, for people like us who work and build things, there will always be a job there to do. It's just that your job might change slightly. So, you know, as an SEO consultant, for instance, rather than going and finding lots of links in a manual search, you might stick it to ChatGPT and go and find me some domains that I can get backlinks to do. Mm. Um, uh, and actually you're, you're learning how to use the models for the people that don't know how to use it. So it just becomes like an easier way of doing your basic standard functional task. But like Katie said, you can't, it, it's not gonna be able to invent something that, that, that Katie's team could do and go, do you know what, there's, a, there's something missing there and we can fill that hole. And if we add this amount of imagination that we can bring to the table to do it in this way that's different to everything else, yeah, yeah. that's the real benefit of human uh, ability and imagination. Yeah, there's always I, room I, to be sanguine, isn't there? So yeah, that's I, I do think that the having the idea, that is the unique thing, understanding how you want to implement it comes from that. But the actual building uh, will most definitely be something you can start portions of mm. in an automated way. And as we progress, that will become more and more automated because it doesn't make sense to write something just because you know how to write it if there's a tool that does it for you in exactly the fashion that you do it. So if you have, so we're, we're right now working with AIs that have a data set there that we have no control over. But what if we have a data set that is entirely uh, uh, fed by us, so whether that's writing content or whether that's writing code or or anything else, really. Uh, but that AI learns how we do things, how we look at things. Then mm -hmm. there are way more patterns in this, the things that we do than you realize. Um, and an AI can extract that, and and that is something. Uh, that portion of the work is most definitely going to be more and more automated. And yeah, th that's inevitable. Uh, but the the uniqueness, how you interpret it, how you build it, what you have included, what not, what thoughts behind it, the UX, the UI, the whole thing. Could an AI come up with something? Sure, but you need to have it very, very well instructed in what it needs to be. Uh, but it still can't think of something new other than learn from patterns and, and go like, okay, there's a, like, I, I can see it over here that they have it, but you don't have it. So if I see that idea here and present it to you, it may look like something new, but it is not new. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the Industrial Revolution, isn't it? You know, yeah, in a way. Where, where factories took off. And, yeah. you know, I also wonder how, Britain. how it's going to be just part of a news cycle. You know, in, I don't know, five years ago, it was all about Bitcoin, and then it was all about the metaverse, and now it's all about AI, and maybe something else will come along which will 
pique our interest. Um, thank you for your comment, Barry. He says AI is great for uh, solving simpler coding issues. Copilot is great is a great example of how it works uh, uh, to aid me as a developer. If you're a configurator, only do simple coding. I'd say AI will replace that fairly soon. Um, we've also got him carrying on more complex systems. Plugins will be fine for a long time. And then we have a counterpoint. Uh, Krishna uh, says, we have seen how social media has affected us. AI is more powerful than social media. Just beginning to think about five to 10 years from now. I read a really interesting article this week, actually, um, and I can't remember the nuance of it, but it basically went like this. Somebody used, a, a journalist used AI to discover the contents for an article that they were writing about an individual. They they didn't carry out the necessary due diligence and they attributed certain quotes to the person that they were writing the article. Yeah. They then published that and because they were an authority, guess what happened? The AI then consumed it as truth and now if you ask the AI for quotes about the person in question, it now pushes those out as fact based upon him as a historical source. So it's kind of it's compounding the problem. This is the kind of quirky thing that that bothers mm. me is that we just get into areas where it's very difficult to untangle what's true and what's not. Speaking of true and what's not, this is a fascinating piece. Um, Spotify have have been caught on by this in a certain sense. Uh, this just didn't seem to be something. This is so left field. I just didn't imagine this as a story. But here we are. Spotify ejects thousands of AI made songs uh, in a purge of fake streams. So to paraphrase, some people have been just promoting AI to create songs for them. And then they've been putting them out into Spotify as original works. I don't think they're claiming that they were written by a, an already bona fide artist. I just think they were pushing whole albums of content um, and getting listens. And because they were getting listens, a proportion of the royalties went their way. I, I doubt anybody made a great deal of money out of it. But it's just fascinating that Spotify, Spotify had to intervene because they got the big platform. And if loads of people... Uh, sorry, if one artist is suddenly able to push thousands of songs out in the space of a few moments and make it viral, I just thought that was really interesting. I don't know if you want to comment on that, but it's definitely of a piece that we've just been talking about. People are going to game it. Yep. Well, they, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is how... Sorry. So, now after you, please, ladies first. And it says that um, the main thing they were purging was that they were using the people that are uploading these fake songs were also using bots to add fake listening figures uh, so, so it, it gets worse yeah to yeah. be trending and so i think that was the main motivation so i'm not sure what their stance is on ai generated music generally if you're not gaming it did you did any of you see again getting back to google did anybody see the i can't remember what it's called it's called something like google lm or something like that the google AI, which they launched in a little while ago, but de but demonstrated it in uh, Google I/O this week, where it's a little bit like ChatGPT. You just give it a text prompt of the kind of music you want it to produce, and you wait a matter of seconds, and it produces it. And in a sublime bit of cool internet wizardry, somebody <clears throat> made a video, and they they did it 
and then they, you know, they clicked the button and they were videoing the whole thing. And then they pressed generate, waited a few moments, and then, then never going to give you up by Rick Astley <laughs> was played. It was pure genius. It was wonderful, Rick rolling through audio. But it, it, the, the demos that I saw were sublime. You know, you waited a few seconds and it was certainly good enough for like mood, mood music. I'm not sure it was the kind of thing that I'd want to listen to. You know, I was dedicating time to listening to music, but there was nothing offensive or weird about it. But it was more on the sort of techno side. There were no lyrics in there. It was, yeah, it was really interesting. Okay. So I, I think this is the perfect explanation for Ed Sheeran music. <laughs> I think that Not a fan. this is Not why. Not a fan, are you? Okay. I, I don't know. All his albums seem the same. I don't think uh, it, all the songs seem the same. It seems like this explains everything. Um, he is and- AI. Yeah, as a Depeche Mode fan, nobody makes music like Depeche Mode, do they? So, you know, I'm, I'm fine, aren't I? I've managed to make You should get into again. that trial, I actually. Do that. Get into that Google trial. See if you can sign up for it and get it. see if it can replicate some Depeche Mode stuff because that would be really interesting because I know you are a <laughs> hardcore Depeche Mode fan. So you'd be in a really good position to notice whether or not it had any of the proclivities yeah. of an actual Depeche Mode track. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay, last piece. I know we're almost out of time. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Katie threw us a bone this week. Uh, Right at the end, she's got a piece. It's on WP Beginner. It's called Headline Analyzer. I confess I didn't have time, a lot of time at least anyway, to look at this. So I'm going to hand it right over to you, Katie. What's this? So it's a new tool that they've released. I assume they developed it to scratch their own itch and then released it. So you put in your headline ideas and it gives you a score based on various factors like how appealing it will be, how attention grabbing SEO, um, is it the right length, all that kind of thing. But the thing that struck me was how old fashioned it seemed to because it didn't mention yeah and I, I got that i didn't actually manage to test it i tried in two browsers and i got cookie check oh dear yeah i'm in a i'm in an incognito tab with all sorts of nonsense going on so it's probably me yeah sorry no, i Go got on, that twice yeah so maybe they haven't tested it yet but the concept of it i thought it was funny that they didn't use any kind of ai in it because you can use ChatGPT or something to generate headline ideas. You can give it your keywords and so on. And um, so I thought it was interesting that it actually felt like a tool that I might have seen five years ago rather than now. I wonder whether they'll iterate it and add AI elements or anything. How does this differ from like an SEO plugin where it would do sort of similar lifting? Is, is, is it just because it's standalone you were curious about it? It's just sitting on this domain all by itself? Yeah, and just the fact that someone's even bothering now um, without the AI kind of thing to get it um, more trendy as much as anything and get people talking. I thought it's interesting to see more traditional tools being released. um, Yeah, it's kind of like artisan. We're going to do artisan SEO. There's no AI involved. We're actually going to do it ourselves. The uh, the piece is over on WP Beginner because it's on the show. I will make sure that it gets itself into the show notes. Unless either of you two fellas have got anything to add, we will call it a day. The only thing I was going to add is just like the cost of people using AI, because <laughs> you know everybody will want to put you used to put your own API key in, and you know using the API costs money. And there's a load of tools being thrown up around this. I just wonder how many are actually being used in anger and what people are paying 
that kind of thing. You know, there's a slight difference between using ChatGPT and using the web interface to, you know, get it to, to create, you know, some text for you um, or, you know, using what, DALI for, for images. But I just wonder if I've, people I've are used... using it and spending money. Yeah, I've put in my API key into a bunch of tools on OpenAI mm. just to see, but I, I'm not a heavy user, but it, it, I've, no. I've probably had a hundred different prompts. And typically I then, when I get the reply back, I then ask it to give me more in-depth information. That's usually my stock response, give me more detail or something like that. And I think so far with a hundred or more prompts, I think I've racked up a six US cent bill. Um <sighs> So it's killing me. It feels like a lot. It feels, it like, feels a lot. like a lot. But that's text. But I presume as soon as you start getting into, you know, here's an image, okay, iterate on the image and another time and another time and give me it in, I don't know, high definition and all of this. Kind of, I imagine that does start to ramp up. But, I use um, it a he heck of a lot more. Um, and mm -hmm. I am paying the, the, the plus uh, thing for ChatGPT. Yeah, yeah, okay. me too. Um, um, so I use it a lot in spreadsheets and stuff like that. So I combine stuff and see what it says and then value that and then move. So I have like a, a ch lots of chains of generating stuff. Um, some of it is SEO. So uh, for those of you listening, that's probably the first thing you want to see where you can use it. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of different types of solutions you can play with um, that require you to really bulk generate a lot. And, and in those scenarios, it makes sense to to have a paid account where you have a fast response, uh, ChatGPT4, now with the plugins and the live URLs and all that. It, it makes sense. Um, I don't know if I'll keep it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't. I, I live in Europe, so I can't play with uh, Google version just yet. So I, I don't know what that's going to change. Uh, but for now, uh, paying for it, it makes a lot of sense for me, for my scenarios. And... Um, I don't know how many, but uh, probably on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm probably in the 30 to 40 single prompts and then a lot of automated stuff. So for me, it works to pay for it. Um, do you use lots of different services? So do you, do you, do you, and is there a discernible difference between them? So because we're in the UK, we could access Bard, and I enabled it on like our Google Workspace account. Which yeah. is great. And then you can put the same prompt into ChatGPT and Bard and go, okay, that, that's quite a discernible difference. Yeah, I've played with, uh, the, the, uh, with the Bing version, uh, the ChatGPT version, uh, but it's mostly, from what I see, um, the, the prompts themselves are where the magic is. Yeah. I don't yeah. see the... So, I, I, again, I'm not a lot of, I don't have a lot of experience with, uh, with the Google side of things or, or really very different types of AIs, but in terms of... Uh, getting the results you like or the things that you expect to see and they're not what you expect them to see, playing around with that is the interesting part because that's where you learn how the AI works. Um, a lot of people think that the AI part, the artificial intelligence, is like a like a literal thing. There's, there's zero intelligence. There's absolutely none. Uh, it does what you ask it to do. And it does it because it knows how to read patterns. That's it. Uh, the intelligence in my in my uh, book uh, is something that we're adding uh, to it. Um, I don't think it's a an a, uh, I don't think it's a live intelligence as such. Katie, are you putting anything in your plugins? Sorry, 
No, no, it's good. At no, the I moment, really we haven't come up with a relevant use case. I'm using it for a lot of marketing tasks, such as writing article outlines and yeah. things like that. But And my developers are using some of the tools just for small functions and things like that, which they'll then incorporate into the wider code. But we haven't come up with a use case for any of our plugins in terms of functionality that our customers can use. Um, that we haven't, I don't know if we're a bit slow or whether it doesn't seem relevant, but uh, we haven't found any particular AI features that we felt would add real value to our plugins. Mm. AI is a subject which is going to keep on giving. Um, It's when AGI comes around that we need to worry, but as Remka says, when uh, we're nowhere near that yet. What's AGI? AGI is artificial general intelligence, and that's the mark where you can just give it any random task, and it will figure it out. So basically, it's it. it, Imagine a human baby. Uh, They can just figure, and over time, they can just learn without being instructed to learn. They just learn. There are some already. Yeah, and that's called GodMode.space. Okay. If you look at that, that it that there's some really neat stuff happening, but it was, yeah. it, it, it's not as powerful as you think it could no, be. But no. it's most definitely more powerful than people uh, generally know how to do with prompts. Yeah, it's a. a Are we at Terminator level? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> Once we get to Terminator level, that's where we need to start to worry, right? Yeah, that's when we go with Sam Altman. We go back to work at that point. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> back on the bus and start commuting. Well, uh, we all commute to like a point? Scottish island yeah. or something like that and just all <laughs> gather and fret. Yeah. Right, that's it. That's what we've got time for. I realise I've kept you for a little bit longer, but I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us, Remkus and Katie and Paul. Hopefully, you'll come back on the show at some point in the near future. Thank you to everybody who made a comment. The show is a lot better for the commentary. Peter, I realise you had a bit of a little moment there with the... Um, with the Webby Awards. Sorry, I missed those comments, so I didn't put them on the screen, but I did notice them, and thanks for your commentary. Appreciate it. One last little thing just before we go, the somewhat humiliating wave of the hands. If you're all able to uh, give us your hands and give us a wave, I will make that the album art. That's absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week, and have a good week. Enjoy. Stay safe. Bye-bye for now.